Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, Food Freedom Act. Sounds like a great name for a bill that focuses on giving more freedom to sellers and more options for consumers. And that's exactly what it is. This past legislative session, the state of Wyoming added an amendment to their Food Freedom Act that they passed in 2015. What this amendment does is clarify that raw eggs, dairy, and other products that must be monitored by time or temperature can now be sold to consumers that that know they are buying an uninspected product. Christine Hampshire is a rancher who grew up on a ranch that she and her family now operate. To, uh, to diversify the ranch, they started selling raw milk at a farmer's market, but later on opened the Freedom Food Market that now has 40 local producers that sell their products along with products from her ranch. Now, Christine worked with lawmakers to clarify the language in the bill because some inspectors had interpreted the bill differently. Ah, government always tries to figure out a way to interpret it to their advantage. Christine spoke before both Senate and House committees because changing this language would not only help her ranch, but as we've so often learned in on this show, would help others as well, other food producers as well. On today's podcast, we have Christine Hampshire on to talk about what removing the government barrier now means for her and for her family. Christine, thanks for being with us. Yes, thank you for letting me join you. I've um, enjoyed getting to learn what your organization is all about. Yeah. So, um, first of all, um, you live you're you're in Wyoming. You're you say kind of up in the northeastern part of Wyoming. Um, which is a great place. Uh, you don't have a ton of people up there, which kind of is what makes it such a great place, by the way. Um, so tell us about, I mean, you grew up on a ranch. So tell us, you've got to have some great ranching stories. What's what's one of your best ranching stories? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you picked the wrong person of the family. I don't think I'm the best storyteller, but um, there is adventure every week. That's for sure. Yeah, we're very blessed to get to live on a ranch and and um, work together as a family the way that we do. And uh, definitely one of the best things about it is is working together as a family. And we have four children right now and just um, getting to see what they're capable of and uh, seeing them use their abilities and work with the livestock. And, and so, yeah, we, we have a lot of adventures working together for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you do. Do your kids, are they into 4-H and all of that or, or no? They are, yes. Um, they usually do a beef project in 4-H because that's easy for us. They can just pick an animal right out of our herd and and uh, gives them a neat opportunity to see that animal raised from start to finish because a lot of times um, in a typical cow-calf operation like we have, we sell our calves in the fall and then they go to a feeder that gets to finish um, growing and feeding them out for the final product. And so, 4-H organization is great because the kids get to do that from start to finish and really see what our family is raising. So I think for a lot of people, maybe, you know, this is a national podcast. We have people all over the United States, actually all over the world that listen. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up in the West. And so, you know, I've, I 
been around livestock my whole life and things like that. But this is kind of a foreign lifestyle to a lot of people. And um, I, I don't think that that a lot of folks maybe understand what it takes to do this. But how, like, how many generations back does ranching go in your family? I imagine it's, it's quite a few. Yes, yes, it is. Um, our children would be fifth generation ranchers. And, and that is something that a lot of people in our area really take a lot of pride in. But it's definitely not something to take for granted, because that's not easily accomplished anymore. You know, as you mentioned, we are in a really nice part of Wyoming. Um, it's beautiful and scenic, and there's some great resources and activities to partake in. Um, and so the value of the agricultural land is really skyrocketed. And so it's becoming a harder thing to keep a hold of that and to continue to uh, run a ranch the way that we do. It's it's not real lucrative. And, and so a lot of times future generations don't see opportunity there. Yeah. And there's also this uh, challenge that ranch families struggle with, which is how to continue to pass that ranch down from generation to generation. The government makes it awfully tough uh, to do. And, um, and it's, you know, it's just a tough thing to keep those in the family. So for your family to have done that for five generations is, is pretty impressive. So um, yeah. Okay. Um, Has it always been a cattle ranch? Is that predominantly what you've done? Yes, yes, it, it has been. We've always raised um, cattle here. We've always had the, the mama cows raising calves to sell. And um, we do have irrigated acreage. So we do do some farming as well. Um, that is predominantly just crops for the livestock. Um, our valley, the Clear Creek Valley, does have a history of farming other crops. It used to be like a beet growing area for, for sugar and, and other crops like that, but it's all been converted to primarily growing crops to feed the livestock. So we grow alfalfa, grass, hays. Yeah. Now, and branching is a way of life, right? It's, it, it, that is a way of life that I think you probably you, you love. So tell folks, what, what is it about ranching that you, that you love? <laughs> well, <laughs> some days it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of days where it's a hate relationship, but I didn't uh, yeah. ask that question. <laughs> right. As you've mentioned, it is, it is a lifestyle and with it brings a lot of challenges. And, sure. um, and as you mentioned, a lot of people sometimes don't understand what goes all into it. And, and so we are happy to tell that story and, um, as I begin to market products off of our ranch, I didn't realize how big that educational aspect would be um, as we talk with other people and customers. But um, yeah, it's a challenge. And I think that that is part of what keeps us going. Um, you know, every day we learn something. And even though my husband and I grew up ranching, um, you know, the last few years have really thrown some challenges. We've had an extreme drought. Um you know, very extreme to where water sources dried up. We had to, um, you know, brainstorm, come up with alternative ways to take care of our cattle and provide those basic needs. And um, so even after, you know, we've grown up doing this, like there's always those conditions that pop up that just all of a sudden cause us to adapt and learn. And so even though those challenges can be really frustrating and they can kind of drain you of, of resources, mm-hmm. um, especially financially sometimes, like I think it's that challenge that keeps you going, you know, trying to figure out how are we going to, how are we going to do this? How are we going to adapt and take care of what needs to be done? Yeah. So all of this, it, kind of on this journey, you decided to start selling raw milk. Um, tell us what, what led you to, to want to do that. 
Well, um, I don't know if it was an outright decision or if it just <laughs> kind of evolved to that. It was just an opportunity that uh, God provided in in various ways, I guess. Um, I grew up with a family milk cow. My family always had a milk cow, and um, I grew up on raw milk. And um, when my children were younger, our milk cow dried up. Now, it was primarily something that my mom had done. Like, my sister and I always helped as we were growing up, but my mom kind of primarily took care of the family milk cow. And then as my kids were younger and that source of milk um, dried up, we, we had to kind of decide, well, how are we going to provide dairy products for our family? And even having grown up with it, I didn't realize what a great food it is. And so we, you know, tried just buying store-bought milk for a while and quickly realized that the taste sure wasn't there. It wasn't um, the kind of delicious product we were used to. And um, so we finally broke down and, and I bought my own milk cow and took over that responsibility 100%. And then um, word just got out, like friends started asking, do you have extra milk? And and um, as that grew, then I became more curious about what I was doing. And, and I educated myself because I just really didn't realize what a great food it was. And so as I began to share that with other people, I really dug into what what kind of a nutritional source is this? And, and that was fascinating to me, um, the way that it's a complete food and it's so nourishing and, and often helps with so many different health issues as well. And um, it just continued to grow from there like pretty soon like every time I was driving to town I was packing a cooler full of milk with me in the SUV to meet up with somebody in a parking lot <laughs> mm -hmm. and then someone suggested farmer's market and I started attending that I started um selling at a farmer's market um store in Gillette I think that was the first in our state um the gentleman there um Frank Wallace who was kind of one of the founders of food freedom in Wyoming um he asked if I could supply over there in in Gillette and so opportunities just kept popping up um and it just continued to grow until the point like you mentioned that our family opened our own food freedom market Right. Now, we probably ought to back up here and explain because because that raw milk, just the phrase raw milk might be a weird concept to a lot of people who just like, well, I just go buy my milk at the store. What would make this different? So explain what raw milk is and what some of the benefits of raw milk are. Right. Yeah. So they are two different beasts, really, what what we call raw milk and what people are maybe typically used to purchasing in the store. They're two completely different things. And so raw milk has not been processed in any form. It's still in its raw straight state, which means straight out of the cow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we here do certain safety measures um, as far as just really cleaning the cows, cleaning the equipment, um, filtering the milk and rapidly chilling it uh, just to control any kind of um, harmful bacteria or pathogen, but it's not altered at all um, as far as how it comes right out of the cow, where a commercial milk that you purchase in the store has been pasteurized and homogenized. And those um, two forms of um, uh, altering the milk or those two forms of treatment, I'm sorry, are, have greatly altered the milk. It can completely changes the nutritional composition and um, I believe is the big reason that so many people have dairy intolerances. Um, you know, a really basic example is how many people think that they're lactose intolerant and think that they struggle to digest milk because of a lactose allergy. Well, raw milk has several enzymes in it. One of those is lactase. Well, enzymes are 
extremely heat sensitive. And so as soon as you apply heat, like the pasteurization process to the milk, even a low temperature pasteurization, the first things that are going to be destroyed are those enzymes. And so then our body without the lactase enzyme then struggles to digest the lactose. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I believe that that um, processing of the milk is is what causes so many of our dairy intolerances. Um, but I have dozens of customers, you know, that have come and said, oh, well, I really struggle with milk. And I say, well, you know, if you if you want to try raw milk, I try to be understanding that it's not a minor thing for some people to try a different item, especially when you know, the, the pasteurized milk maybe really eats up their stomach, you know, really causes pain and digestive stress. And so I try to visit with them, you know, just like this and explain different aspects of the differences of raw milk. And, you know, if you're willing to try, then you, you might notice that you don't have any problems. And, and so those customers that have tried have said, yeah, it's completely different. I have no digestive stress and mm-hmm. um, I feel really good. And this is so exciting to have dairy in my diet again. But um, and not just that, but the ways that it can benefit health. You know, I've had customers say, well, it's helped me to lower my cholesterol. It's helped me with um, sleeping better. It's helped my eczema, my allergies, um, you know, so many different things. It, it's really amazing um, the way that it's a complete nutrition source and um, the different benefits that it has, you know, increasing the immune system function, um, vitamin D, it has a great source of vitamin D, uh, which we know with, you know, some of the illnesses we've had and sicknesses that have been passing around the last few years, like vitamin D is extremely important in strengthening the immune system and preventing, um, attack by, to the body by some of those things. Yeah. And to those who might be listening to this and thinking, well, you know, I'm lactose intolerant or I have a, 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 an intolerance to, to dairy products or whatever. One of the reasons might be that the government has created a rule that says you can't, uh, you can't consume raw milk because there are states that prohibit this. We just had this battle in Montana as well, uh, just a, a couple of years back. Um, the, the, some states prohibit the selling of whether it's milk or eggs or, or other things. Uh, you know, from from the farm directly to consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there is still quite a few states where it's a real issue. And the history behind that is fascinating. Um, you know, dates clear back to the War of 1812 and the development of our our larger cities, you know, actually cities starting to develop within our country and needing those food sources within those cities. The history is fascinating, but I just can't believe that in, you know, hundreds of years, that we haven't been able to get over that strange stigma. Uh, you know, we have so many different abilities now, you know, so much more knowledge, um, refrigeration and better knowledge on say f- food handling. I, I don't understand why there's still a, a silly stigma that some can't overcome. Yeah. Yeah. So this, it would seem helps the, helps the consumer, gives them more options, more choices, but it also helps you as 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 a rancher, I mean, how has selling these raw dairy products been able to help your ranch? 
It, it's helped immensely. Um, as we already mentioned, you know, agriculture is a difficult pursuit anymore. It's not extremely lucrative and just um, different factors, you know, expenses um, raising immensely, you know, when it comes to fuel and feed sources and, and so many different things, like it makes it harder and harder to make ends meet. And so it's been very beneficial to our family to be able to diversify. Um, you know, for example, we had a, a market high on calf prices in approximately 2015-2016. Our calf prices were were very high. It was great. <laughs> and then and then the very next year when that dropped, the price of calves literally cut in half, but input stayed the same or increased. I don't know how many businesses <laughs> face that kind of a challenge where your income literally cuts in half, but the expenses stay the same or increase mm-hmm. like that. That's very hard to manage. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, being able to divi- diversify definitely helped. I think that um, the dairy, the micro dairy part of our ranch has kept our, our ranch going through some of those difficult years. Yeah. So, so before 2015, when you, when the Wyoming, and you passed the Food Freedom Act um, before 2015. What what was what was it like? You couldn't sell this at all. There was a herd share option, and okay. I, I'm personally not real familiar with how some of that was accomplished because I wasn't selling milk prior to that mm-hmm. point. Um, but there was a herd share option to where if people owned a part of the cow, owned the cow, or owned a part of the cow, then they had a right to the products from that cow. And so um, several people took advantage of that herd share option. Mm-hmm. So what about, but there's lots of other states and I, I'm sure you're not an expert on all the other states, but there's lots of other states that don't allow this at all. Isn't that right? There are some. Um, a good place to look is the Weston A. Price Foundation website. They have um, a real milk um, segment of their website. And on that, you can go and look at all of the laws um, for every state. And it's quite a different mixture. Like with a few states, it's um, legal. It can even be put in your typical grocery store. Um, in some states, in a few, it's still completely illegal. In some states, it can only be sold as like pet milk for pet consumption. Some states you have to go directly to the farm to pick it up. It can't be sold off farm. So there's quite a variety of different laws. Yeah. And there's, you know, as people, I say this often on this show, but as people listen to this show, sometimes they'll hear something, a topic that we're talking about and they'll think to themselves, well, I would never do this. That's not for me. I wouldn't, but that's not the point. This isn't always about you. It's about freedom and liberty for other people who may want to do this. Um, So the Food Freedom Act was passed in 2015. So what did that do? What did that change uh, in Wyoming? So it allowed the sales of quite a few um, homemade products, um, dairy products, um, baked goods, canned goods. It kind of started to uh, detail how some of those Uh, foods could be sold um, like a a cottage law. Oftentimes in other states, it's referred to as a cottage law. And so the Food Freedom Act uh, allowed uh, definitions and and more opportunities to sell all of those products, produce and and, uh, eggs and baked goods and canned goods and dairy products. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in the bill, it talked about non-potentially hazardous and potentially hazardous foods. What, what's the difference there? 
Well, um, that actually came a little later than 2015 in an amendment. Okay. And um, the main difference there is that potentially hazardous foods are defined as foods that require any time or temperature controlled. So base, mm. basically anything that needs to be refrigerated or frozen. And uh, so I guess that the effort there was just to define further that there are some foods that require more care, um, obviously, than others when it comes to food safety. And um, unfortunately, though, the drawback to that was it it um, labeled some of those foods as potentially hazardous and continued to limit sales opportunity for those particular foods. So those would be that would be milk, eggs, beef chicken like meat well, type products or what m- meat products really fall into a different category okay. those um are still regulated a little bit more at a federal level and By they the don't really USDA, fall into right. yes they don't really mm-hmm. fall into the food freedom act so much um so dairy products would definitely be one um that would have been in the potentially hazardous category mm-hmm. um but condiments um kombucha, uh, anything that would require to be in the fridge then would fall into that potentially hazardous category. And then at that point, the sale was still required to be direct from producer to consumer. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that then limits some sales opportunity when it's supposed to be direct from producer to consumer, where other foods that were not potentially hazardous were able to be sold in grocery stores. You know, you could take your tortillas um, and put them in a grocery store, but uh, the potentially hazardous foods still needed to be more of a direct sale. Right. Now you eventually you opened a shop, right? To sell your products, but, but you also have other producers who come and sell there as well. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So opening our food freedom market, we call it the Crossy Dairy and Food Freedom Market as like a tip of our hat to Wyoming's food freedom law. We are very thankful that in <laughs> Wyoming, we do enjoy great food freedoms compared to many other states. But but we opened the market um, after two and a half years of traveling to farmers markets. Uh, we had a, a great customer base. It was beginning to get difficult to get all of our product to one farmer's market on a Saturday, Um, you know, just transportation wise, like I couldn't fit any more coolers and milk into my SUV to get them there on Mm -hmm. Saturday. Um, It was difficult to connect with all customers, you know, of course, sometimes customers want to get away from the weekend or for the weekend. And so it became difficult to just make all the connections as the business was growing. Um, And because of the food freedom law at that time and the way that transactions were still limited for a potentially hazardous food, such as raw milk, I I couldn't really seek opportunity to go put it into local stores. Um, And so by opening our own food freedom market, then we were able to meet that requirement of still having a direct from producer to consumer sale since that was our market and our family running it. And um, I wanted to include other producers because I just really believe in our local food scene. We need to continue to uh, take advantage of being more food secure on a local level. Um, We need to invest in those resources, in those people. Uh, We saw in the last few years how there were problems with our national food supply chain and um, a lot of local producers stepped up to fill those needs. But the problem is, is we've, we've been in this model of just like going to big supermarkets, right? For decades now, you just go to Walmart and you just get what you want, right? Well, 
if you're not investing in those local producers in the meantime, then they're not going to be there when you need them. And I think a lot of people haven't realized even what they could get locally. A lot of consumers didn't know that. Um, and a lot of people um, that were maybe interested in being a producer, you know, and selling their produce or um whatever food items they were interested in doing. I don't think that they realized that there could be a market there, that it could actually become a business. It didn't even have to be a side gig. And so I, I just wanted to um, include as many other producers as I could, give them more opportunity, give our local community more opportunity to access those local foods. And it, it's just really enriches our um, area in so many ways. You know, it increases our economy. It increases our sense of community. Um, and it provides opportunity for, for people to stay in our area, stay in Wyoming and have a successful business. And I was just really passionate about all that as, as well as I, I just believe that real food brings health. And so, um, you know, it's like we were talking about raw milk and some of the legal restrictions around our country. Like I always say, <laughs> you know, raw milk, that that's scary. That'll get you, but go ahead and eat all the Cheetos and drink all the Coke that you want. There's no health repercussions from that. And so I just really believe that a lot of these local producers are providing products that ultimately bring better health to our community as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a great point from a guy who has eaten a bag or two of Cheetos. That, that's a good point, but yeah, no, I, I'm to totally with you on that. So what are some of the products though, that are sold um, that other producers are selling as well at your, at your market? Oh, we have such a great variety. I always kind of struggle to remember it all. But of course, we have um, lots of canned goods, jams, jellies, um, sauerkraut, uh, garlic. Uh, we have um, salsas and um, lots of produce. We have a, a great grower, Papa Joe's Produce, in our area that has hydroponic greenhouses. And so he grows beautiful lettuce. Um, you know, another great thing about local foods is that oftentimes um, people are getting a better value for their money too. You know, it's grown right there. It's fresh. And so unlike something that you bring home from our typical big supermarket that spoils within a few days, you know, these items last weeks. Our, the hydroponic lettuce is beautiful and holds up really well. Um, we have kombucha um, and other fermented items that, again, offer gut health. Uh, um, we have some local flowers and grains, which are really wonderful because, again, there's a health aspect there. Um, one particular lady grows ancient grains, and so those have a much lower chromosome count than our new hybrid grains. Um, again, it seems to be causing um, better digestibility for people, sometimes uh, avoiding like gluten uh repercussions to the digestive system and then also the grains are then stone ground and that um more natural process of stone grinding uh continues to offer a better product. It doesn't um, degrade the flour as much. It doesn't kind of compromise some of the nutritional value and um, again, helps with digestibility. So we have some really great grains and flours, um, locally roasted coffee. Uh, we have a lot of baked goods. Sourdough breads are really popular again um, because that sometimes is, is better di for digestibility. We have locally raised meats, lamb, goat, pork, and and beef um just it's such a great variety sometimes i struggle to remember everything yeah. well that's pretty amazing i mean it's not it's not a raw milk store that's for sure i mean it's it's a 
you you offer a lot of different things, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, there is a, a really a great variety. Right, right. Well, and I want to point out again, I mean, this is this could all be prohibited by government if government uh, chose to do it. And in some states kind of does limit this kind of stuff. And th- this is what this is about. Again, this may not be something you want to do, but there are lots of folks out there that that look at this and say, man, this is this is just what I needed. And maybe their health has been changed or altered because they've been they've been doing this. And so that's why this is important. That's why liberty is important and freedom is important and and food freedom is important as well. What uh, what advice, Christine, would you have um, for someone who's kind of run into like a government imposed barrier like this? I mean, lots of people run into stuff like this and they just go, oh, well, I guess it can't do it too bad for me. And they go off in some other direction. That's clearly not what you did. Um, but what, what advice would you have for people when they meet up against something like this? Right. Just, um, to tap into all of the human resources around you. Like first for us, it starts just with myself and other local producers. Like I've got great local producers that I work with. And so we get together among ourselves and we analyze, you know, what are the strengths or weaknesses in our, our area for us to market local foods. Um, and so that's a great spot right there. It, it, we just, group together as local producers first. And then um, we have some great organizations um, that we start to meet with as well. Our local um, Powder River Resource Council has been very supportive of local foods. the Wyoming Food Coalition, and then it just keeps escalating. You know, you need to really get to know your local um, representatives, your local politicians. And um, so that was very helpful for me. Just just don't give up, I guess. Just keep asking questions. Keep meeting people. One connection leads to another. Um, but I just, I, yeah, I just kept asking questions. I kept reaching out to our to my local representatives in, until I got some of the answers and assistance that we needed. All right. Well, Christine, thank you. Christine Hampshire, a, um, a, a Wyoming rancher who decided she just wasn't going to sit back and let the government make the decisions for her and, and that this was something she wanted to do. And I mean, you built a, you've built a, a great venture here, I think, in doing it. And you've, you've helped give freedom to a lot of other people as well. And that's what's great about the story. It's not only you who benefited as so often we find is is, is you're out there making a difference for a lot of people. So thanks uh, for doing that. And thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate your time today. All right. Great. Uh, by the way, if people want to know more about this, is there a website or anything that they could, they could go to or, or find more about uh, th- this issue? Um, our Crossy Dairy and Freedom Foods Market does have a uh, Facebook and Instagram page that you can find us on. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, look, if you'd like to get connected with an Americans for Prosperity state chapter, be sure to email me at jeff at AmericanPotential.com. You can follow this podcast on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Stay connected with us. And by the way, if you have a story, uh, much like Christine has or some of the other stories that we've highlighted, and you, you, maybe it's you, maybe it's a, a, a friend, go to our website, AmericanPotential.com. You can fill out the uh, share our st- share your story section of that website, and we'll take a look at that. Just had someone the other day who did that uh, with regard to veterans. One of our stories or shows that we did the episode last uh, a couple weeks back 
where we talked about veterans and some of the issues that they're having. Got some great information there. We passed it along to Concerned Veterans for America. That's how this is supposed to work. So go to that website and, uh, and, and fill that out if you know someone who has a great story. Thanks for listening to American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.